of the Lord today. Man, how many just sense the presence of the Lord in this place already? Just a strong, strong sense of God's presence just moving. I love it when the atmosphere gets charged with his presence. I mean, you know, that can happen every Sunday. I mean, you know, that can happen every day. Amen. It's not just a, a one-time thing that happens just in the life of a church or in the life of a believer. That's something that we can continually press into. I've always said it this way. You can get as much as God as you want. He can't be depleted of anything. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm glad today that you're here. I've really sensed the presence of the Lord working. I feel like I, I felt like last Sunday we were just like on the verge of maybe a tipping point in an amazing altar time here at the presence in the presence of the Lord. And I just want to keep pushing on that a little bit. Can I do that today? Amen. The uh, just a couple quick uh, announcements. Uh, don't forget, uh, starting tomorrow we start our prayer and fasting week. I feel all the love and the excitement in the house today. Did, did he say fasting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we know everybody's got different ways of fasting and stuff. So we just, we made it a big old block. We just blocked out from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So hopefully at some point in there you can grab some fasting time. Most of us are going to try to go from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and just block that out. And I would just encourage you throughout that portion of the week, uh, if you got time, maybe a lunch hour or whatever it may be, uh, and, you, and maybe you can get along with the Lord or whatever, just do that. I just want to encourage you to do that and just uh, spend some time in God's presence. There's a, there's a, there's a method to our madness. We're, we're, we're not fasting to, to twist God's arm to get him to do something for us. We're fasting because it makes us aware of what God is doing. We become spiritually aware. Because when you begin to block out and blot out everything else around you, you become more God conscious than you do worldly conscious. Amen. And so that's one of the reasons why we're fasting because we believe we're, we're moving into the Easter season. But more importantly, it's just beyond that because how many know that we live a resurrected life with him all, every day? We don't have to just celebrate resurrection one Sunday out of the year. Amen. But it is a, it is a, it is a mark. In the, in the body of Christ, so we make that a big deal. Easter Sunday is going to be an amazing time here. I want to encourage you to invite somebody. I mean, it's hard to get people saved if everybody in here is saved. <laughs> and I know, I know all y'all are really holy, so you don't have a whole lot of unsaved friends, but I bet you got one somewhere. Maybe one, maybe one. Might be a cousin, you know, but maybe somewhere. Can't feel no love in this place, so I'm just going to keep working. Just invite somebody. Invite somebody to the house of the Lord, and we believe it's going to be an amazing day. That's going to be a, a big day for us. We're going to have special music. We're going to be receiving communion together that day as well. And, um, and then we're also bringing our resurrection seed offering. I mean, he's been working on that, all three of us. Praise the Lord. It ought to be a real nice resurrection seed offering. It's going to go really well. <laughs> We've been announcing it for like six weeks now. When you go on vacation, you plan for it. You save for it. Amen. When you want something, you plan for it. Save for it. Amen. So we're planning for this. We've been working toward it, so we just want to encourage you. One of the best ways that we do this, we've done it every year now for nearly, nearly 28 years or whatever it's been. We just believe God for one week's income because that's a stretch for everybody. No matter where you fall on the radar, it's a stretch for everybody. 
you make $200 a week or if you make $2,000 a week. Giving one week's income is a stretch. And so what that does is that doesn't create equal giving, but it does create equal sacrifice. Amen. And there's something about giving beyond your measure that really puts you in a place of sacrifice where you really begin to put expectation on what God wants to do. Amen. So all those things are coming up. And, and then, of course, all week long, starting tomorrow, it's from 630 to 730, we're having prayer time all week long right here in the sanctuary. It's going to be an amazing time together. So just come off your job. Just get here as quick as you can. I know there's a lot of activities going on with sports and things like that. People will be scattered. But, but just come as you can. Come as you are. And uh, we're going to have an incredible time as we press into the things of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet and grab your Bibles this morning. And uh, we're going to go right back into the couple of these theme verses that I've been working with. I want to go back to Matthew chapter 12. And um, I'm about to wear these scriptures out, I think. But how many know that repetition is the mother of knowledge? Amen. Dr. Uh, Dad Hagen used to say, uh, when you get tired of saying it, people are just beginning to get it. <laughs> so, so uh I'm not, I'm not trying to stick to those formulas, but, but I am trying to wear these scriptures out because I'm, I'm just pressing into something here because I'm working towards an end goal here and what I believe God is saying to us in this particular season. And, and maybe today, if it's all right, I just want to go a little deeper. Is that all right? Can I just go a little deeper? Can I just keep pressing the boundaries just a little bit more and just challenging us to what God is saying? Matthew chapter 12, verse number 43, this is Jesus speaking here. He says, now when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it, when, and when, and when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven more spirits, more wicked than itself. And they go in and they live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. And this is the way it will also be with this evil generation. Notice that when an unclean spirit goes out and it does not find a place to rest, it comes back from what it was sent out from. And when it comes back, when, he don't, when, that, when that spirit doesn't find that house filled with something different, it's going to take up residence there again but it's going to be seven times worse. Because how many of you know that evil spirits has friends? <laughs> so they bring seven more spirits, more wicked than that first spirit. And Jesus said, this is the way it will be in this evil generation. Now, let's go all the way back to uh, 2 Kings here and uh, just picking on this a little bit today and trying to put it into your psyche a little bit, your spirit as well, and just trying to roll it around and maybe pull these together here at some point today. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 19. Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold now, the situation of the city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. One translation says it's barren. And he said, Bring me a new jar. Somebody shout a new jar and put some salt in it. So they brought it to him, and he went out to the spring of water, and he threw salt in it, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, I have purified these waters. There shall not be from there death 
or unfruitfulness or barrenness any longer so that the waters have been purified. One translation says that the waters have been healed to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. I mean, I know there's nothing wrong with the land, the city, just that it has a bad flow. The water's off. Many times in Scripture, water represents the spirit. I mean, you can, have, you can have a good place, but have a wrong spirit in that place. And so that's what Elisha did. He came and he brought healing to the land because he fixed the flow. <laughs> you remember a couple of years ago they had this thing, fix the flow on Lake O? Huh? Remember everybody was pushing pressure on us because they say we were contaminating everybody around us? Well, it's, it's, it's not what was going out. It was what was coming in. Amen. It was what was coming in, and they were blaming it on us because we were pumping out what they was pumping in. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so, so it, they, they had it reversed. I mean, you know, it, it's, 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 it's what comes in that gets contaminated, that contaminates the body. And so we've been working on this because he said, I want to get some new jars. So I'm just pressing on this a little bit. We're talking about new outpourings. How many is ready for a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit? I mean, I mean one of those, I, I'm a little old-fashioned. I'm Pentecostal to the bone, in case you don't know that, you will soon. I'm Pentecostal all the way through. I believe in an old-fashioned, Holy Ghost, snot-slinging, weave falling out. Back in the day, pantyhose used to run down. I know we don't wear them no more, but, but, but it just, I mean, when, 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 when the Spirit of God, begins to move beyond what is comfortable to us and we really don't care no more. I believe God wants to put a new outpouring right here in the Glades region. I believe he wants to bring an outpouring in your house. Amen. Come on, push on about three people and tell them it's a new outpouring. It's a new outpouring. Something new. Something new coming your way. Let me pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Thank you for those that have gathered in this room today. Thank you, Lord, for those that are listening, Facebook Live, those that are tuned in the country, WAFC 100.5. Thank you today, Lord, for what you're going to do in the ears of those that are listening. Lord, we give you honor and we give you praise over the next few moments as we move towards the word of the Lord. We thank you today that the power of the gospel will release signs and wonders. We thank you for what you're going to do in everybody's life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you this morning. Hallelujah. As I was sharing with you literally over the last couple of weeks about this particular passage of Scripture in Matthew uh, as we started in there, the interesting to me about that particular passage of Scripture that Jesus was talking about, though he is talking about an individual, and that's accurately so, individuals can be delivered, but then Jesus changes his thoughts from talking to an individual or about an individual to he begins to talk about this is the way it will be in this evil generation, implying in this particular passage of Scripture that not only do uh, people, individuals, have the potential to be harassed by seducing spirits, but an entire generation can be harassed by seducing spirits. If you don't believe that, just watch your news. <laughs> Huh? 
And in our text, Jesus is relating to a generation of people and the condition of that nation within that generation. He's relating to an entire group of people. He's not just talking about one person, even though it's applied there, but it's more accurately applied because he finishes thought with this is the way it will be with this generation. So Jesus is relating to an entire group of people about the condition of that generation. He's relating to them about what can happen not only to individuals, but what can happen to an entire generation when things are not put in proper order. So, so, and so I, I believe we can do the text no harm. I don't believe it's doing the text any harm when we use this particular text to describe what the power, and this is where we kind of left off last week, what the power of a stronghold can have not only over individual lives, but what a stronghold can have over a generation or an entire generation's lives. It's the power of a stronghold. So when, when, when you were born, this is kind of where I'm just going to just pick up off a little bit where I left off last week, and then we're just going to go just a little bit deeper. When, when, when you were born, you were born into a social order. When you were born into this world, when you were born into this planet, you were born into a social order that had certain functions to it. It had certain systems that were functioning in that social order. And in those systems, it produced in you, in me, a certain way of how we process things. We, we were born into an order that was already existent when we arrived on this planet. And that, that order, that system, began to shape things in our lives that causes us to process certain things the way we think about things. I'm going somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, hang on now. Because built within every system, built within every system is a way of thinking. And in that system, this this system that, that we were born into, it has this mentality attached to it. It has this ideology attached to it. It has this mindset attached to it. It has this collective conscience. I'm trying to use words that don't seem religious. I'm not trying to use religious phraseology. I'm trying to use natural words. It has this school of thought that's attached to it that produces certain ways of thinking or certain patterns of thinking. That system, the Bible calls that a worldly system. It has a certain way of its thinking process. And, and when you were growing up, before you became born again, you were culturalized and conditioned to that order and that system of processing. It shaped the way you thought about things. And it shaped the way you process things to get to the end of a thing. <laughs> and so that system affects everything in your life. It affects how you manage problems. It affects how you handle difficulties. It affects how you view life. It affects your, your perception. It affects the way you look at something and how you respond to something. 
It affects the way you handle disagreements. Because some folks just want to bow up and fight. Because as we've been taught, don't get your way, make it your way. And that order or that system, I'm going somewhere, just, just hang out with me for a few minutes. That order, that system that you were culturalized in, I was culturalized in, has created a way of thinking. Yep. It, it's culturalized us in how we think and how we live. Mm-hmm. Because where the mind goes, the life follows. Wherever your mind goes, your life will follow it. Whatever level you think on is the level you live on. Amen. And when it comes to advancing and progressing forward, you have to learn how to get there head first. You got to get your mind around it. You got you got to get your head through it, so you can get your life to it. All right. So so it doesn't matter how much you feel trapped or how much you feel stuck. If you can't get your head around it, you can't get your life through it. I'm gonna work on this for a minute now. Just just some of y'all look like y'all still got that time clock thing going on. Your dominant pattern of thinking determines how you live. Your school of thought determines your level of living. Amen. Naturally and spiritually. Amen. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That word think is, is, is the Hebrew word soar, which literally means to reason out. It means to calculate, to, de- to determine something, to assess something. It literally means to reckon, to, to, to consider something, to surmise it. It means to give thought to it, to estimate it. As a man calculates, as he gives thought to something, So is he. What you think about the most is what you become. (laughs) Amen. I can't feel no Holy Ghost love. We need to go back to the presence of the Lord, I guess. Philippians 4.8, this will be on the screen for you. Uh, It says, whatsoever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute or good report, same word, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell. That same word for dwell is think. Think on these things. So so what you think on determines the outcome of your living. It says, so whatever thing is true, think on that. Boy, if we ever need to be thinking about what truth is, it ought to be today. Because we live in a world that's jacked up where everything becomes true. Whatever is true to you is true to everybody. You could walk out of this building and you say, hey, you know what? The sky is green. And then you know what? We, you expect people to believe you. It's not that it's truth. It's just your reality and how you see it. But it, just because it's your reality don't mean it's a reality. It's just your perception of the way you compute things. 
the way you calculate things, the way you estimate things. So I wrote this in here. I wrote it like this. This is not going to be on the screen, so I wrote it like this. You cannot be tempted by the things you don't think about. You can't be tempted by the things you don't think about. You get tempted by what you put your mind to. Amen. In fact, James says it, every man is drawn away by their own lust. So, so whatever is in your heart, if you think on it, it could become, if it's wrong, it could become a temptation. Amen. Because whatever you think about the most is what you become. I'm going somewhere. There's a method here to this madness. Just hang out with me. I'm going somewhere. Because I believe what God is trying to do right here, I can't speak for the world. I can't even speak for the nation, but I can speak for Sugartown. <laughs> I can speak for the Glades region. How do you know you can speak for the Glades region? Because he put us here. If we were anywhere else, then we would have jurisdictional authority there. But because we've been planted here, we can speak for the territory that's been assigned to us. And so I am on this mission because I believe it's possible to get a church where it begins to think about the goodness of God, the, 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 the purposes of God, and the intent of God, and you begin to think about it long enough, you, be, you begin to pursue it hard enough till it becomes a part of your culture. It becomes a part of your lifestyle. So... So, so let me just work it out just a little bit more. So being, this will be on the screen. Being born again does not equate to a renewed mind. When, when you became born again, when you accepted Jesus Christ, your spirit became reborn. It became born again. Your spirit was rejuvenated. Your spirit was made alive to the things of God. You always had it, but you were not fully alive to it until you became born again. But what did not become born again when your spirit became born again was your thought process. Your thought process did not become born again when your spirit became born again. Because how many know that? How many know that sometimes you got those thoughts and you got wonder where that came from? That's your mind. That didn't come out of your spirit. Because once you become born again, your spirit is God conscience. Your mind is worldly conscience. And what you think about the most determines how your spirit moves. And so what we got now, watch now, watch me now. I'm going to work this out. We got a, a, not this church, I'm just talking about the body of Christ in general in America. We got a lot of born-again Christians, but we don't have enough renewed minds in the body of Christ. So we keep thinking about everything that's negative, everything that's against us. We keep thinking about the sin that's on us. We keep thinking about the things that we're struggling through rather than whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is lovely. Think on these things. So when you begin to put your mind on things that are above, the next thing you know, you begin to live out the life of heaven in an earthly realm. So, 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 so your spirit, this is where we're going now, your spirit can be living at a new address, but you are at an old address. 
Your spirit is at a brand new address. Your spirit's like, like, where are you at? What's going on? I thought we moved. (laughs) Because every time we talk to you, it's like, well, it's just tough. (laughs) Well, you know, this old world. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, this president we got. And you can, uh, listen, people said it about Trump. They're saying it about Biden. Can I just tell you? The movements of God are not dictated by governments. I'm going to wait on a bigger amen right there. The movements of God are never dictated by a government. The movements of God are dictated by the people who have a hunger and a thirst for the things of God to manifest. And when you get people in a region that are tied to godliness, and I'm not saying that good government is not needed. We need good government. Good Lord, we need some good government. We need the right government. That's why we got to, Pastor Carlos talked about, that's why we got to begin to encamp around these mountains, these seven places of influence. That's why people that are born again, spirit-filled, love God, ought to be running in high places so that we can get people at the top who understand spiritual warfare, who understands the dynamics of the kingdom so they don't just operate from a head knowledge, but they're spirit is in line with the mind of Christ. When you begin to think God thoughts, I, I, I told a guy years ago, I said, I said, I said, I want to get to the place where, where I think like God. He thought I was crazy. He said, How do you, know, you can't think like God? Well, the Bible says if my mind is renewed, how many know that Jesus is the word? Huh? That's not the John says that. Jesus is the word. He he became flesh that dwelt among us. He's the word. He's the word. He's the word of God. In other words, that word, word is the word logos. Jesus is the logos of God. Jesus is the logic of God. So how many know that you can have the mind of Christ? If you have the mind of Christ, you got the logic of God. So when I think, I think like God. So when I'm up against an impossible situation, I don't look at the circumstances to determine the report that I'm believing God for. I put the mind of Christ on it, and I begin to think like God. I begin to put God thoughts on it, and I begin to say, all things are possible to them that believe. Going somewhere. So, 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 so redemption, born-again spirit, gives, me, gives my spirit eternal life. But a renewed mind gives my life qualified life. Qualified. Qualified for every good work. Qualified to do what God called me to do. God doesn't just want to change my heart. He wants to change my head. (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, you need a lot. No, don't say that. If we're not careful, you can get so stuck and indoctrinated into a pattern of thinking because you were culturalized to a system that was already working against you when you were born. And you can get stuck in a wrong mentality even though you love God with your spirit. You can get stuck in a wrong mentality and never progress forward. Because you can't get your mind there. When you were raised in this wrong system, when you were raised in it, we all were, whatever age you came to Christ, 
let's just say it was the earliest possible age. Let's say you were 12 years old when you fully were aware of your salvation experience. I ain't talking about when you got saved when you were three. <laughs> got baptized or christened when you were one. You have no idea what was going on. You didn't even have a choice in it. Your parents brought you. <laughs> but when you became aware of the significance, if you're not careful, you can be raised in a wrong system for so long without any exposure to anything else, you start calling what you're in normal. Because that's all you know. And because that's all you know, it becomes normalized. And because it's normalized, you don't question it. And because you don't question it, nothing changes. That's, after all, that's the way we've done it in our family. That's the way old uncle so-and-so did it. That's the way we're going to do it. You ever heard this? You just like your daddy. <laughs> How's that? You were raised that way. Well, you just like your uncle, your aunt. You just like your mama. <laughs> because you can be so culturalized in it. And not, not, not everything is bad. But, but I'm talking about the bad stuff. You can be so culturalized in it that that becomes your dominant way of thinking. And then what happens is you become born again. You come alive in the things of God. And God is trying to move you to a place in authority in his kingdom so that you can execute the righteousness of God in the earth. And you begin to move in the ways of God. But because you were culturalized in a certain way of thinking... You can't get in agreement with your spirit. And so what you do is you hold your spirit back from experiencing everything that God has for it, not because God is against you, but because you can't think beyond where you're at. You can't get beyond your previous experiences. And because you can't get beyond your previous experiences, you stay stuck in a holding pattern. And God's trying to move you to a launching pad to get you to a place of orbit where the things of God can manifest. Ah, I'm trying to help somebody understand what God wants to do in this house. He wants to break off old patterns of thinking, old ways of doing things, because if it's going to be a new outpouring, it cannot look like anything you've been accustomed to. It can't look like anything you've been affiliated with. If God's going to do something new, then you don't have no frame of reference. You don't have no history attached to it. If it's a new thing, then it's got to be something new that you've never seen. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. And neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Come on, give God some praise right there. Let me work it out. So, so when you keep calling it normal, you don't ever question it because you don't ever question, you don't ever get delivered. You get used to the point that you live with it. Mm. Felt that nerve in the spirit right there. You live with it, and anything that is right, 
Anything that is healthy, you fight it because it's abnormal. You start resisting what God is trying to process you through because your cultural thinking and your experiences don't line up with what you're feeling right now. And so you, stop, you start resisting God and you embrace your social order of thinking. And your social order becomes so prevalent and it becomes so powerful of the way you think. That's what's going on in our culture today. I mean, woke, you know, woke, what, woke. Every, you know, awoke, like social justice warriors. That's what woke, wokeness is, social justice warriors. Like you can fix society's problems because you're woke now. You know what fixes society's problems? It's called the blood of the lamb. It's called Jesus Christ. So you can be woke all you want to, but if Jesus Christ is not at the center of it, then it's just a vain thought. It's just a theory. It's just another idea. Woo. So, so, so you got all this going on, right? This is what's going on. Then you got... Cancel culture. Well, we're just going to cancel you. I'm trying not to go down a road here that I'll probably never get y'all back on. We're living in such a degradable generation, such a messed up society, that if we don't have a church in the middle of a culture that's not just resisting God, it's a culture that's anti-God. It's not, it's not that we just don't want to be saved culture. It's like we don't even want God around. We got people in the White House that says we don't need no scriptures on anything that our government produces. It's not that we're just resisting God. It's what we don't want God. Whatever the void is, if you don't fill it, something else will. When a spirit leaves a house and it comes back because it's going to come back and it's going to check on what it left. It's going to come back and it's going to do an evaluation. And when it finds that house not put in order, when it finds that house unoccupied, when it finds that house not swept and everything properly arranged, it's bringing back seven more spirits, more deadlier than the first. You know what's going on in America? We just said, God, we can handle it without you. So we just kicked him right to the curb. And so now we got seven more spirits that have come back because when the door was open, the church was not the church. The church was not being salt. The church was not being light. We were placating to the drumbeat of a worldly of a worldly affair so that we could just move through the worldliness of God and, and call it godliness. Y'all ain't got to help me. I'm trying to help you understand what we need in America. Let me just break it down. What we need right here in the Glades region, we need a church that is so on fire with the things of God that we're moving in the realm of the Spirit. Can't nobody identify it. Can't nobody qualify it. Can't nobody make no sense of it. But it's just a group of people that understand who they are in Christ and they're wiping out cancer. They're wiping out sugar diabetes. They're taking benefits away from the hospital because there's so much power there's so much authority marriages are being restored children are coming home problems are being erased because the power of God is so prevalent among a people in a region that nobody can say that that ain't God that ain't God there everybody around you is going to say that has to be God 
Tell somebody it's a new outpouring. It's a new outpouring. It's different. Woo. So when those wrong mentalities that we keep fighting, you know, those mindsets we keep calling them normal, and those wrong mentalities of mindsets eventually become strongholds. And strongholds is what keeps us from receiving the benefits of this kingdom. Okay? Once you have developed and cultivated a wrong mentality, I'm using that word mentality because if I use the word stronghold, everybody throws me into a religious category. It's the same thing. Strongholds are not demons. Strongholds are the place of occupation. That's where the demons work from. Strongholds are mindsets. So once you produce this mentality, the Bible calls it a stronghold. But once you produce this way of thinking, this thought, then your life is lived out of cycles rather than seasons. And life can be experienced on one of two levels. Life can be experienced either by seasons or by cycles. And seasons and cycles are not the same. This will be on the screen. Seasons will change in time, but cycles change when you change. Amen. Don't shout me down. Okay, let's look at this. Let's go to one more verse and then it's 11.45 and I'll have to quit in a few minutes. Romans chapter 1, this is, this is going to be life-changing right here. We could probably all quote it. It's probably on the screen for you guys. Romans chapter 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Let me just qualify something real quick. We, in the New Testament, don't have to bring a sacrifice to God. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad you ain't got a sheep farm in your backyard? Huh? Well, you got to bring a lamb. So what this is asking for in the New Testament is our life. He says, holy and acceptable. Watch this. If God doesn't have all of your life, it's not acceptable. Oh, wow. I felt that religious scorecard go up right there. If you're not all the way invested in it, it's not holy. We give God our spirit, but God, I ain't going to let you have my mind. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. <laughs> Come on, all you John Wayne Christians. That's the way I'm going to do it. It's the way it is. It's the way the Pelhams do it. Put your name in there. It's the way we've always done it. This is the way we're going to do it. Well, that might be your way, but that may not be God's way. And unless God has it all, he has no authority over nothing. Okay, now, then we drop down to the part that we all quote and gather around. Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed how? So transformation comes from where? Renewing of your mind. Your spirit gets born again, but you don't get transformed without a different way of thinking. Some of y'all going to sleep on me. I hope you fall out of the chair. I ain't scared of you. I've been preaching longer than you've been coming. It's the reason why you got battles. You don't win. Come on, talk to me. Your spirit gets born again. But in order for you to be transformed, here's what transform means. Trans, well, let me go to the first. Conform means, and I'm not going to try to say the Greek word. The word conform means to accommodate oneself, mind, and character to a model or a pattern. To be in agreement with this present world system or to walk in its ways. See that? The word transform is the word, the Greek word metamorpho, means to be changed to another form to change the essential form or the nature of something to be completely different. So if you're going to get transformed, it means you got to deal with your old way of thinking because your old way of thinking is going to determine your nature. Woo. And so if you, can, if you can begin to deal with your old way of thinking, if you don't get conformed, conformed, if you don't march to the drumbeat of the world and you begin to renew your mind, your mind gets to a place where it begins to transform the way you think about things, and eventually it transforms your nature. Amen. You had to be here last week to catch up on some of that. But the nature, the nature of things, people are stuck in cycles because of a nature. It's a holding pattern because you won't break your mind free from previous experiences. Whew. How many know that every season in your life can be entered into and exited from? But cycles can only be entered and may never be exited. I know people my age, in their 30s. <laughs> I know people my age, still stuck. In the same mentality, I know guys that I graduated with, they still talking about football when they dropped that pass. I'm like, my God, man, that's like 40 years ago. You ain't over that? They still mad because they didn't get asked to the prom. <laughs> I'm like, are you still living in that world? I mean, you have missed a whole life of good stuff. Because you got this high school hairy thing going on, and you were caught up in, well, they didn't invite me to prom. Now, you got rejected by somebody who didn't even care about you, didn't ask you to the prom, and you've been living a hurt life for 40 years. Can I tell you something? You are in a cycle that has no exit point. You are in a cycle that's keeping you grounded, and you're turning over into old patterns, old paradigms, old ways of thinking, old habits, old natures, and your spirit's been born again. You love God, your spirit's over there say, will you get up over here so we can do business for the glory of God? <laughs> oh, my Lord. Being stuck with no forward progress, being stuck in, in stagnant, lame, and always dysfunction, no, <laughs> and nothing ever changing, 
Quit saying it's a bad season. No, you in a trap called a cycle. I'm just going through a bad. No, you're in a cycle. You're in a cycle. Because I think I could prove this scripturally. I'm not going to try to undo it today, unpack it today. But I don't believe there's no such thing as a bad season in God. I believe you might have some bad weather in your season. But as long as your steps are being ordered by the Lord, he's going to direct you in the right path. And even though you have to go through a wilderness, come on, Jesus. Jesus was led into the wilderness, but he came out in the power of the Holy Ghost. So I may be led into something that I don't like that's uncomfortable, but that don't mean I'm in a bad season. I just have to learn how to navigate the season I'm in because when I get through the end of the season, I'm going to come out better. I'm going to come out stronger. I'm going to come out more qualified because it's the processing of God working in me that make me more like him so that in him I can live and move and have my being. Come on, push on somebody and tell them it's a new outpouring. I'm telling you, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Got like eight, seven minutes, eight minutes, whatever. So you're stuck, stuck. Look at somebody say, say, don't stay stuck forever. Just, my Lord, I've been looking at you for years and you're still right there. So how I many know sometimes, I, I know people like this, they got the same attitude they had 25 years ago. And they've been saved for 25 years. You ever seen somebody didn't get their way? You ever, you ever seen a grown man pout? <laughs> All the wives going, yeah, amen. Preach on them, preacher. Get them. <laughs> Just pout because you don't get your way? Is that, that, that fish, that blowfish, that, and it just, it just puffs out, you know, just puff, fish, whatever it costs. <laughs> you better breathe. You better breathe. You're going to pass out. <laughs> Isn't that a shame that we're, 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 we're working with old habits? Our spirit is at a new location, but our old habits are locking us down because we can't get our mind around it. Okay. Time is moving, but you're not. You're getting older, but ain't nothing changing. <laughs> it's called a cycle. So in order to break the cycle... Got just a few minutes here. In order to break the cycle, you have to tear down those strongholds. You have to tear down those strongholds, which is a way of thinking. Strongholds is not a big bad devil. Strongholds is the way you process things. It's your social order of thinking. It's the way you think about something. So you got to attack that stronghold with the mind of Christ. Watch. You have to attack that stronghold with the word of God. You cannot defeat this stronghold that's been built out of the way you've been processing because it was spiritually, demonically in influenced. You don't beat the devil with logic. You don't beat the devil with a good idea. You don't beat the devil with being a good person. Watch me. You don't beat the devil because you're a multimillionaire. You don't beat the devil because you got a good job. You don't beat the devil because you got a good marriage. You don't beat the devil because you got healthy children. You beat the devil with the word of God. And when you put the word of God on it and you begin to think like God, you begin to speak like God, you begin to act like God, you begin to walk like God, you begin to exercise the authority of God, the next thing you know, strongholds don't have no power, strongholds don't have no influence, strongholds don't have no grip on your life. 
So you have to educate your mind with a word. You have to immerse yourself in the word of God. You have to immerse yourself into the preaching of God's word. You have to read the Bible. You have to know the Bible. You have to come to church. You have to stay under the word. You have to go against the trained thoughts of your mind and say you're going to get submitted to the authority of God and I'm going to work my mind. I know you're fighting me. I know you're resisting me. I know you don't want me to do it. I know you don't want me to get up early. I know you don't want me to pray any longer. I know you don't want me to come all week to a prayer meeting, but I'm working on something that's going to far outweigh the current circumstances that I've been dealing with. And when you got some real problems, when you got some real trials, you don't need a little comfort prayer. You need the power of a renewed mind that can put a word back on it. Come on, push on somebody and tell them it's got to get better. It's got to get better. It's got to get better. You can have whatever marriage you want. You can have whatever you want in your family. It's because you renew your mind to it. I remember when Karen was chasing me in high school. <laughs> I finally got tired of running. I let her catch me. <laughs> Who wants to go to lunch today? <laughs> Remember when we were dating in high school? We were both born again Christians. Just working. We had no idea about ministry. Ministry wasn't even on our radar. So don't think, oh, he's he going to be a preacher one day. No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Wouldn't even think about preaching. Scared to death to still preach today. Wasn't even thinking about it. But we had enough sense of God. That God was working on something. So we would date. And I had to tell her, baby, you can't keep shooting them birds. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 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 I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> Y'all act way too holy for me. But we were dating. We were dating, and, and, and she, would, she was, like, like, helping me to understand about nature. And she would always tell me when my, when my attitude was wrong. In fact, she still, still tells me. We've been married for almost 37 years. But she would just, like, that ain't right. We ain't married. <laughs> that ain't right. You can't act like that. Because there's something about your spirit that begins to identify when something in you is off. It's not right. Now, I couldn't identify it, but she could. And she would say, that's not you. You can't act like that. You can't be like that. And she's been coaching me along now for 37 years. And I'm about trained. I'm really, I mean, seriously, I'm not, that, that, I'm, I'm, I know it's funny, but it, it's, it's real. <laughs> I mean, she can tell when I'm off. And she brings me back to a place where I begin to realize that ain't right. Now, the worst thing you can do is resist it. Because... <laughs> 
Because when you start resisting it, I don't want to keep using Bible words, but I just, it's called pride. Because you don't want to be corrected. You don't want to be held accountable. Because after all, you're an American. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Just understand, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, just know it never got there by itself. That's a quote from my late bishop, Bishop Tony Miller. Somebody helped that turtle get there. And if you always resisting voices in your life, people who have the ability to help shape and mold you, to hold your character in check, to hold that nature in check, next thing you know, you know what you're doing? You're fortifying a wrong mentality. You are building a fortress, a mindset, a stronghold around your life, and you're saying, I can't be taught, I can't be trained, I can't be equipped. And let me tell you something. If you can't use a natural order of doing something, you're never going to follow God's order because God puts people in your life to make your life better. Come on, push on somebody and tell them there's got to be something new. Oh, my Lord. Pastor Porter, y'all better come on. It's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. Just, it's 12 o'clock. Let, write this down. This will be on the screen. Our minds must be exposed to the truth of another system that is superior to the system you were born into. It's got to be exposed. It's got to be exposed. This has nothing to do with our church because I, it's just, it's, it's nothing because, and, and I get this from everybody that ever comes in. This is, this, this is one of the greatest churches on the planet. Planet, not planet. <laughs> I would guess nobody's on Mercury or Mars. I don't know. It, it's, it, it's, it, and, and people say that because you're so loving, you're so acceptable, and just you make people feel honored when they come. But if we're not careful, the system of even church life will rob us of a godly life. And we keep repeating patterns. You ever heard that song, Give Me That Old Time Religion? I actually like the song. I like it. I'm, I'm an old soul, I guess. I, I, I listen to all old stuff. But I like that song. But I don't like the theology of it. Because if God's going to do a new thing, he can't keep. Listen, how many want to go back to horse and buggy? Aren't you glad you came in an air-conditioned vehicle? Well, even if you had to roll your windows down, at least you had air flowing. Aren't you glad you're sitting in a building that, that can be hot or cold? Hmm? Aren't you glad we're not meeting under an open barn, sawdust on the ground? And somebody, listen, the only, thing I, the only thing I long for those days is the power they had in those days. But I don't want to go back to those days. I want what God wants in my day. I want the power of God to move in air conditioning. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So if your mind doesn't get exposed to a different information system that's superior to what you were born and raised into, then you'll keep gravitating to old patterns. And whatever you think about the most is what you become. How I many know that the word of God is truth? And truth extends to us a different way of thinking. 
and it exposes us to a different system, unlike the system that has always shaped our lives. Part of the problem that we got going on in our nation today, and, it's, and it didn't just happen now, it's just we're seeing more fruit of it now, but, but back in the 60s when we began to remove God out of schools, now we have a godless school system. And now they are indoctrinating our children. And the reason why we got anarchy in the streets is because they were trained to think that way. They were trained to think that way. They were trained because you don't get your way, go burn a building. They were trained. I'm not making, you can, you can, you can look all that up. 66% of the professors in colleges are Marxists. They were trained. They were trained to think that way. Right or wrong, it's, it's the training. Because what you remove God from, when the Spirit goes out, and when it comes back, it comes back to the place that it left, and it finds it not in order, and it's not filled with nothing, so it's bringing more spirits more wicked than itself. And you see the stuff we got going on in our nation? It's because when the church kicked that spirit out, we didn't fill it with the Holy Ghost power. And now we got all this going on in our nation. So what do we got to do? Do we quit? Do we give up? Do we fold it? Throw in the towel? No. We come alive to the things of God with a renewed mind. And we begin to stake our claim in the earth. Come on, Elijah. I know there's some bad water in the city, but I'm coming with a word. I was sent with a word to walk up into the middle of the city and say the flow is off, and I'm going to bring some healing to it. I'm going to bring a new vessel. Come on, vessels of honor. I'm going to bring some salt, and I'm going to put it in those vessels. Come on, salt and light of the earth. And I'm going to begin to march through that city. I'm going to take it to the source of where it's being poured out, and I'm going to say let the waters be healed. Let the barrenness be broken. Next thing you know, you got a culture that's being flipped because now there is what we call in our, in our circles a movement of God. And I'm just crazy enough to believe, and I know I did a whole lot more teaching than I probably normally do on a Sunday morning, but, but, but I, and I've got a whole lot more notes here to work with, so don't, I'm out of time. I'm not out of anointing, okay? i got more to go. We, we, we are living in a culturalized society that's shaping the way we think. And the more news you watch, the more news you believe, and most of it is not true. You ain't got to say nothing. I know I'm right about it. And we, we indoctrinate ourselves on the news. We indoctrinate our friends' report. We go to work, and we work with people who are negative and, we, and next thing you know, it's, it's subtle. Next thing you know, go, yeah, that's right. You know what you did? You agreed with it. You put your stamp of approval on it. I'm telling you, I'm coming next week. I'm going to talk about how to stamp a region with God's glory. I'm telling you, the people, of the, the people in the body of Christ knows how to stamp a territory. And when you stamp it with the agreement of God, next thing you know, you get the justice of God. You get the movements of God. And you get the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Come on, if you believe that, put your hands together and give God a shout one time. Come on, give him a praise one time. Hallelujah. Come on and give him a praise like you know he can turn it. But you know he can do something Jesus. about it. Thank you, Lord. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. 
Yes, you will. I'll talk a little bit more about it next week. I'll talk about how who you run with can be a cycle. What you watch can be a cycle. There's all kinds of cycles. But I guess the part that I wanted to get to, and I just didn't do it today, was the, and, and, I, and I'll, I'll do it maybe next week or whenever, but I told you a couple weeks ago about, I'll, I'll, I can't hardly say it, Pastor Carl, Alamalongo, that Guatemala. Guatemala. It's in Guatemala. It's a city in Guatemala. We call it Brother Al in Guatemala. 19,000 people. 1970. 1970, they had the worst divorce rate, uh, worst economy. Everything was going south. Everything was bad. That was in 1970. 1974, some people just got together and said, you know what, we're going to start praying about our city. Just a handful of people. We're going to pray. We're just going to pray. Does prayer really work? If it don't, I'm walking off this platform today because I ain't got nothing left to say. Because prayer works. Because prayer attaches you to the heart of God's will. And they, this, this group of people, just a handful, just a handful, I mean literally a handful, five people got together and started praying over their city for five hours a day, praying over their city. Next thing you know, a move of God breaks out to the point that industry begins to turn around. The land, the land which was really under a curse gets blessed. Boy, if you are a farmer in this city, you ought to be speaking to that land. Woo. And they started to grow carrots that was the size of your arm, beets that weighed five pounds apiece. I mean, just enormous, enormous stuff going on. And the, and the movement of God didn't stop. It carried on through it until 1994. They had four jails in this city in Guatemala. Four, in 1994, they closed the fourth one down because there was no more crime. I got another one here. I got another one here. But you're going to have to come back next week to hear about that one. Because I'm just saying it's happening all over the world. And I'm just, and this is my heart, and it may not be everybody's, and I get it, and I'm not saying that. I'm trying to get my mind around the heartbeat of God. I want, I got to get my mind renewed enough to, to get my life right. I get that. I, I, I understand that personally. But Jesus wasn't talking about just an individual. He was talking about a generation. I, I know what I got to do personally to get renewed and, and, and get all that stuff fleshed out. But, but I know what it's going to take generationally. That means you got to have a corporate body. That, that's just something as simple as say, hey, you know what? Next week, we got a week of prayer and fasting. I know everybody's got different time zones, different schedules, different activities where they're children, ball games, practices, things like that. We, we, we get it. We know that. But you know what? You should not be sitting at home with a prayer meeting going on. Should not be sitting at home. If you're sitting at home eating Doritos, I pray they rot in your teeth. So you, can you say that? No, I'm just, no, I'm just playing. But if you ain't got no more unction than that, I just lost somebody right there. I, just, I ain't doing that. I, 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 that's, I, you, you mean. I'm just saying, 
we want God to move, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Either we give it all to God or we don't. I'm just saying come next week, there ought to be a group of people that says, you know what, this, this is a sacrifice because I've been working all day. I'm really tired. I get it. I know. I know. Man, I know. Life is tough out there. You managing life, you managing your job, maybe a business, managing your children, managing your home, managing your husband, managing your wife. I get it. Last thing you want to do is another church service. But maybe it's the sacrifice that catches the heart of God. He says, you know what, I can't ignore that. Just like he couldn't ignore those sacrificial lambs that were being brought back in the Old Testament. Because he would begin to rain down blessings. The earth would begin to get blessed. Israel's enemies would start getting beat. Because God was in it. I'm calling for a new outpour. I want our families to be awakened. I want our children to be awakened. I want our community to be awakened. I want our governments to be awakened. But it's not going to come because I'm a born-again somebody. It's going to come because I'm willing to pay the price to get to where I want to go. It's not that I can twist God's arm, but I'm just going to let God know I'm available. And my obedience, my obedience is the evidence of my availability. Amen. Come on, right there where you are. Just feel the Holy Spirit. Come on, just lift your hands right there where you are. Come on, just let him soak you for a moment. Just let him breathe over you just for a moment. It's so real. It's so tangible. He's in this room. His presence is so tangible. Open up your spiritual heart. He's speaking. I heard the Lord say, there's no resistance now. There's no resistance. We're open. I'm here. Could there be a Solomon anointing coming on this house? Where God just begins to say, ask what you want. Ask what you want and I'll give it to you. Because I'm not after my will, I'm after your will, God.
Lord, let the cry of our heart be echoed all throughout the chambers of the heavenlies. I feel this right here. There's an anointing on your cry. I just had a brief, a brief description. When you begin to cry out, I saw heaven standing. Heaven was given notice. Heaven was paying attention. you into dimensions that's what the apostle Paul said I was called up into the third heavens and there's things I can't even explain because I saw some things there's things that my spirit witnessed that I don't have vocabulary to articulate because you can get so caught up something about our cry that pulls us into that dimension. There's a cry coming out of this house that's leading us into the dimensions. Some of the old scholars used to call them portals. It takes us through the portals of the heavenlies. in the earth I feel that today I feel that coming out of your heart today I feel there's a cry reaching the heavens Lord we thank you this morning we thank you today may we never be satisfied with the religious frame of mind but God let our hearts stay hungry for different dimensions hallelujah hallelujah there's people all over this city there's people in this church that are believing for God for multiple things people standing in the gap for miracles standing in the gap for promises that new outpouring just brings all that. And that's what we're contending for, amen? We're contending for that. Until there's no words to articulate it, no words to describe it, but God. Look what the Lord has done. He's faithful. Thank you, Jesus. 
You can sense them, can't you? It's okay. You can sense them. You can sense them. He's in the room. He's close. standing out. Melissa and Greg are believing God for a, a real strong miracle. She's got twins in her. The only thing we can do is agree with heaven. That's all we can do. We just agree with heaven. We just agree with heaven. We know what the natural reports have said. We know what the natural reports are declaring. But we just agree with heaven. We just contend. It's in the Lord's hands, it's not in ours. We don't heal, He does. So we just release heaven's will. We prayed it Tuesday night. We prayed again. We just declare life, movement, heartbeat. Come alive. Come alive. Hallelujah. Come on, we can't be afraid of the impossible. We can't be afraid of the impossible. That's what we are. That's what we do. We're carriers of His glory. We're agents of His anointing. We carry something beyond the natural realm. We carry something beyond the evidence. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
now, why not you? Why not? run over there and some of you men run over there. Come on, just pray. What else are we going to do? Who else are we going to believe? What else is there? What else is there left?
That's where we're going. Yes. That's what we're going to get to. Hallelujah. I was taught years ago by my late spiritual father, Bishop Miller. You don't know what God will do until you pray. I have carried that tone, that tone, because he said it to me with a tone. I've carried that tone for nearly 30 years. I've been to people's funerals, and I've had to pray for their dead ones because they wanted them raised up. I prayed for my own dad to be raised up. I've walked into hospitals and prayed for the dead people to rise up. I've walked into hospitals with cancer and tumors and you name it. But what else are we going to do? What else are you going to do? I mean, if we got signs and wonders and power, what else are we going to do? Come on, come on. If you think logically, you're going to believe the first report. I'm going to think godly, and I'm going to believe his report. That's the way I operate. That's the way I believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Greg and Melissa, you got a church family that we stand and holding tight. You're not, you're not fighting by yourself. You got a whole church family. We're just going to throw our weight with it. Because we believe. We believe. Amen. That realm there gets really exciting. Because when people have no hope, they start getting around this kind of hope. Oh, my Lord. We'd be in a building program this time next week. Jesus attracted the masses because he demonstrated what the kingdom was all about. They didn't have buildings big enough to hold them. They just met in open fields. We're just going to set up a thousand chairs outside until we get the building built. Amen. It's just going to get exciting. It's a new outpouring. It's a new outpouring. Amen. We're going to let you go. I know it's way late. Thank you for hanging in there and pressing. I saw this morning where Eddie and Adriana got engaged. need some marital advice, just come on down the road there and I'll tell you how to handle it. <laughs> Congratulations to you guys. Omar will never be the same. He'll lose his baby girl. Oh, Lord, I know that feeling. Hallelujah. We speak blessings over you guys. Blessings in the favor of the Lord be upon your life as you embark on this new journey together. Lord, I speak blessing and favor over this house, over this congregation. Lord, I thank you for the love that's in this house. Lord, I thank you that we don't just do church, but we have love one for another. Lord, we carry the spirit of Christ because we care for one another. This is not a church 
that's segregated. This is not a church that's divided. This is not a church that's prejudiced. This is not a church of the elite. This is a church that whosoever will, let them come. And Father, I thank you for the love that's in this house. And I thank you, Lord, that he who began that good work is faithful to complete it in all of us as we stay on this journey. Bless your people. May they have an amazing week. Lord, as we come back together this week, as we just pray through and believe you for the tangible things to manifest, we thank you and we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you so much. We'll see you tomorrow night.